Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. And welcome to yet another episode of the Lines Love by Donkeys podcast. I am Joe, and with me today is Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, and I have lost track of how many other things you're currently doing. What's up, Yeah, Robert? it's too many fucking podcasts, Joe. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I got, I'm into a bad podcasting loop, fell off the wagon real hard. Um, but hey, how long, how, long can this, how long can this grift possibly keep going, you know? Eventually. I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope long enough for me to have uh, shuffled this mortar, mortal coil and not have to worry about finding a job again. Yeah, another way to make a living. I mean, I've been through like, this is like my third or fourth media career, basically. I mean, they've all been related in some way, but I'm just like, I live under the expectation that everything I get good at will eventually collapse in profitability due to some Google or Facebook motherfucker uh, making a decision. Um, it's cool. It's, it's fun to, it's like, it's like being a mouse in the age of dinosaurs, uh, where something might just sit down on you. (laughs) It's good stuff. It's a good way to make a living. And and yeah, you also know about the, the, the pains of, of being an author in the age of, of eBooks dominating everything. It's like, yeah, I sold a hundred thousand copies. I am poor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sold a hundred thousand copies, and you know, assuming I get two more coffees on my punch card, I'll be getting a free one soon. That's uh, <laughs> that's what my sales have afforded me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's weird because there's actually a ton of money in publishing. It's just not there for people who um, actually care about writing books. It, it goes to people who had never thought about writing a book until they became the press secretary for the president. And then uh, right. decided, well, I might as well take a million dollars to have someone else write a book for me who will that's, get paid 20 grand. You know? That's got to be our next grift is we have to like um, slide in to some like millionaires warm embrace so they can bulk buy our books whenever they come out. So they get that sick little dagger symbol next to them whenever they pop up on a bestseller list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. Now, Joe, how do you feel about reading podcast scripts Ugh, i feel bad uh it depends on how do you feel about racism <laughs> uh you know i mean are we talking against italians because uh unfortunately I'm not this time. <laughs> oh no okay well then yeah generally no generally no um, so we're really going to talk a, a little bit about something that maybe you've heard of, maybe some other people uh, listening have heard of, and that is um, 
racism in the United States military, uh, more specifically, race riots that have happened with frightening regularity throughout our uh, our nation's military history. We and do have a lot of them. <laughs> we, we do. Um, and the, and oh. there's a famous one in Houston uh, uh, that uh, if anybody paid attention recently, the Houston Police Department uh, openly tweeted about uh, their officers that were were killed for being racist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they were talking about like, and there, and now their watch has ended. Yeah, doing one of those like, let's have a let's remember these brave officers who lost their lives murdering black people. <laughs> yes, um, and you know, obviously, a lot of these things are are, are institutional, systemic, perhaps, um, and a lot of this has to do with uh, a little something that. I know you're familiar with. I would really like to assume most of our American listeners are familiar with, but maybe not so much our international listeners. It is a little thing called Jim Crow laws. Um, you know, uh, and in case you are unaware, I will give a short primer because I think even some Americans kind of don't understand what these are. Um, the Jim Crow laws were so-called because of a famous racist shit minstrel show called the Jim Crow show, where a black character was played by a white man in blackface were codified into what is now known as like racial segregation or separate but equal era. Um, now, actually, now that's uh, we're not talking about the current and reelected prime minister of Canada, but a different guy that likes to wear blackface all the time. Now, after there's the so con- many, so many politicians who like to wear blackface. <laughs> the governor of um, what? Uh, for, not Virginia. I mean, there was like a year where two or three governors. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. if your governor wears blackface, this joke also applies to you. Um, yeah. After the Confederates got their shit kicked in, federal troops occupied parts of the South and area that we call Reconstruction, um, yeah. during which they were by force of arms forced the once slave owning South to kind of sort of abide by the new laws of the United States. Mostly being that you cannot legally own humans as property again. Black people could vote, own property, and do all sorts of other things that are previously illegal because the American Constitution has always been more of a vibe than actual law. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we every now and then we have a vibe check. You could say that's the Civil War was really just kind of a an elaborate vibe check. <laughs> every um, amendment, a little bit of more of a vibe check. A little bit more of a vibe check, yeah. Uh, but you know, as we know, uh, the North eventually lost its taste for Reconstruction after a couple of years, and it failed miserably. Yeah, not long. There was this be- beautiful, brief flowering of democracy that was then uh, beaten down by murderous white mobs and, you know, the cops. Yeah, weird how uh, the the same Confederate soldiers who just fought that war uh, to own people as property then became, uh, you know, the judiciary, the cops, the sheriffs, and, you know, all of those other fun enforcement arms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of this is because, obviously, racism and the North wanted to just move past that time where a slaver's rebellion killed hundreds of thousands of Americans because they wanted to own the people. Now, this led to the Compromise of 1877, where federal troops were pulled out of the South, and the same motherfuckers that we just talked about end up going right back into power. Uh, now, this is pretty much just to win the presidential election of Rutherford B. Hayes. Uh, not a fair trade. Um, now, it should be pointed out that this was um, not the first time there was a serious jump backwards when it comes to rights in the United States. A lot of presidents before this were not fans of Reconstruction to include like Andrew Johnson. Um, now, they were more than fine with 
local authorities stripping the rights of black people. The compromise simply made it official government policy. Um, this allowed white Democrats known as redeemers to sweep elections in the area Jesus eventually. Christ. I'm sorry, but just you <laughs> motherfuckers, you nerdy ass. Like we hadn't even invented being nerdy, but you nerdy ass motherfuckers. Okay, sorry. Someone somewhere is going to start a militia called the Redeemers. It sounds like yeah. some fucking far cry ass villain uh, faction. See, I think the right thing to do if we had a Superman, you know, somebody who was you know invulnerable to bullets w- would be to just all of these guys, these fucking proud boys, the Oath Keepers, the fucking Redeemers, all these nerdy ass militia motherfuckers, swirlies. Like and, and like like piss swirlies, right? Like you don't you don't flush first. Like really gross piss swirlies for all of them. That's 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 where I am. And you go to I don't know whatever region of the United States has an asparagus festival. You go ham fucking buck wild on some asparagus. You fill the yeah. toilet with piss, and yeah. then you just yeah. horrible dunk their face asparagus in it. piss. Yeah. Um, now uh. the redeemers sweep the elections in the area, and they systematically undid everything that Reconstruction had done, along with some horrible pogroms. Uh, This eventually enforced what amounted to be apartheid in the same areas of the South that had once rebelled, while being enforced by Confederate veterans who had just fought in that war during the rebellion. And now that they controlled literally every arm of the state, there was no recourse for Black people. Now, I should point out that these... All these segregation laws that they would pass were eventually upheld in the U.S. Supreme Court and Plessy v. Ferguson, and they did leak into areas in the North away from the Confederate power base. If you're like me and you're from the North, you do you do not get to gloat in the situation. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. Nowhere in the U.S. was safe from legally mandated racism in some form or another. Yeah, uh, so- like California didn't have quote unquote Jim Crow, but we had all of the things that made up Jim Crow more or less just in a different set of policies. Right. And like, you know, I'm originally from Detroit and we will talk about the Detroit race riots because it's tied into this. We didn't necessarily have explicit Jim Crow laws, but we did, you know, yeah. <laughs> like you just call them something different. Um uh, like I, like I said before, this is the entry into the separate but equal era which is 50% correct and that it was separate. Um, these were all state and local level laws rather than federal laws. However, federal law made them all possible. So parsing between the two seems largely pointless in this context. And it's mostly a cop out, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Saying my state wasn't as racist as, say, Alabama during the American apartheid is not the flex you think it is. There's some pretty awful examples from around the country, and some places were worse than others. Um, but some examples were like public parks were forbidden for black people to enter. Theaters and restaurants were segregated. There were segregated uh, waiting rooms and buses and train stations. Uh, and like if some buildings had two completely different exits and, and entrances for people, like famously, the Pentagon has like 10 times more bathrooms than it should because it was built with segregation in mind. Um uh, it, like there's also water fountains, restrooms, building entrances, elevators, and even fucking cemeteries. Um, if you died, the United States was so racist, your corpse could not be buried with everybody else's. Um, solid stuff. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's like a that's that's real deep level of racism right there. 
Yeah, you can't even rot in the same dirt as me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like these laws were incredibly arbitrary. Um, it wasn't bla- just black and white. It was just like it was phrenology, but based on skin color and culture. There was immigrants who were decidedly not black, like from India, Mexico, fuck, uh, Eastern Europe and the Caucasus. They would just kind of eye fuck you and be like, well, you're kind of black to me. And then you would immediately fall under Jim Crow. Uh, it's It was kind of, it was. I mean, this is before apartheid south africa but the kind of the same idea where it's like no we're just gonna kind of go by how we feel about you as uh by at first glance and that that's it it's a science now um some states required separate textbooks for black and white students um <laughs> new orleans uh famously mandated the segregation of prostitutes according to race which i'm sure the local police department were enthusiastic about enforcing uh, in Atlanta, African-Americans in court were given a different Bible than white people to swear on. Marriage and cohabitation between white and black people was strictly forbidden in southern states and some northern ones as well. In fact, interracial marriage would not become legal throughout the United States by federal law until 1967. Yeah, there is yeah. people alive today that remember this. This is not yep. ancient history, people. Um uh, that, now, famously, I know uh, I lived in Texas for almost a decade. I also lived in Kentucky. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and not just any part of Texas, Central Texas. It, it, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it, about as Texas as Texas gets. And it's yeah, all of the worst parts of Texas, too. It's, I have nothing nice to say except Austin is cool. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, also lived in, fine. I also live an yeah. hour and a half away from Austin. Yeah, yeah. In fairness, um, when you live in Texas, you're always an hour and a half away from wherever you want to be. That's true. Uh, and it, nine hours away from leaving Texas, which is always a motherfucker. Um, yeah. Yeah, in a lot of areas like parts of Texas, parts of Kentucky. Um, and honestly, I've, these things still kind of exist. That There was towns and city limits warning black people not to go there or to not let the sun down on them. Uh yeah, these became known as sundown towns and uh, horrible, horrible, violent, racist places. Um, I've heard rumors they still exist, and I do not doubt it. Um, now, these laws were so incredibly racist, uh, al- along with America's wonderful policies on its indigenous population, um, that uh, they became something of an inspirational movement for a guy named Adolf Hitler and the basis of the Nuremberg Laws in Nazi Germany. Whoops. <sighs> yeah, that's, I mean... I, I have notes, like maybe don't be the basis for the Nuremberg laws would be my note. Really just one note, honestly. <laughs> uh, and don't uh, do all of the, uh, the racial science they'll adopt. and Yeah, just generally uh, like if if you're doing things and the Nazis are looking at those things and going, oh, that's pretty rad. Let's do the same thing. Maybe maybe have died 20 years before that point, ideally. <laughs> Honestly, one of my one of my favorite parts of this is one of the laws was so extreme, even the Nazis didn't use it. Uh, it was the the one drop policy, or like one drop of 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 African descent in your family tree made you black in the United States legally. And the Nazis like, whoa, we can't do that with Jewish people. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's what like three generations or something like that. Yeah, so even, yeah, I mean, even they, they had, had, a, they, they had a bunch of different laws. Yeah. Now. I bring up these laws because more than once, there's been a lot of institutions in the United States who try to make Americans forget about them. But also during a lot of this time, America would find itself at war. You know, the thing that we like to do so often back when we didn't lose so much. Um, Now, 
Black Americans found themselves fighting for a country that hated them since the beginning of its very history. And there's probably this is probably a reason why significantly more black people fought for the British than the rebels during the American Revolution. Um, something we don't like to talk about too often. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in fact, one of the canonized patriots of the American Revolution, Crispus Atticus, that was killed during the Boston Massacre, was a interracial black man. Mm-hmm. Um, now, his racial identity has been uh, somewhat obscured for generations for reasons you can probably imagine. Um, yeah. And since then, uh, without yep. without fail, uh, black men and women in uniform would be horribly discriminated against and be the victim of systemic abuse. During World War I, famously, while being able to be drafted, black soldiers would almost always find themselves relegated to unarmed and, uh, and pretty much unused segregated labor battalions commanded by incredibly abusive white officers. Uh, well, you don't want to give them guns. <laughs> that's right. That could really be a problem for you because of how you're treating them, you know? Because of how racist you are, giving them guns can end really badly for you. <laughs> They, they probably got this idea from the Ottomans or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah and, you know, this also happened during the Civil War. Uh, then eventually, kind of like World War One, they're like, huh, we, it turns out we need soldiers. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess we can give guns to the black guys. Um, now, this is because the American military thought that as a race, that black people were unable to fight as well as white people. They went so far as to publish a memo to other allied forces during World War One to tell them how racially inferior their black soldiers were. And they gave yep. this specifically to the French military. Um, now, some of this had to do with the fact that they're working under President Woodrow Wilson, probably one of the most racist presidents yeah. of all time. This, I'll yeah, say he's, he is up there. He's he gives fucking Jefferson Davis a run <laughs> for his money. Like, <laughs> I will say he is certainly the most racist president who's never legally owned another human being as property. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, I'm. Sh- I suspect a couple of the slave owners would have been like, "Whoa, dude, <laughs> you're, you're, you're taking it a little far here." Don't <laughs> you like have Robert E. Lee's? Like, you have to tone that down to a dull roar around these parts. Not, not, not very gentlemanly, sir. <laughs> you know, Wilson doesn't own all of this. Obviously, uh, the only thing. More racist than uh, than Woodrow Wilson, it turns out, is the rest of American history. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, America's European counterparts did not have the same ideas about race and soldiering abilities. Now, I do not mean to say they are not racist. We're talking about the British Empire and the French here, um, and they were drawing soldiers from their overseas empires, feeding them into uh, their, like a colonial wood chipper on the Western Front. Uh, that's hardly progressive, but they were at least smart enough to know that a bullet from a rifle of a black guy or an, or an Indian soldier kills a German just as well as a bullet from a white guy. Yeah. Which, low bar. We're talking very low bar. Um, yes. <laughs> and that is why when the American Expeditionary Force hit Europe and the French asked for American soldiers to act as replacements rather than independent units, the, uh, the American government was like, no, 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 we're, we're going to be the AEF on our own. But then they were like, well, you can have these black guys if you want them. And the French saw absolutely no problem with that. Uh, and they took them. They wore French military uniforms, fought with French officers, learned French. They're famously known as the Harlem Hellfighters and probably did the most fighting of any American unit throughout the war. Now, for the first time in probably these men's entire lives, they were treated no differently than their white contemporaries. Um, now, this 
had to do with the fact less than the, the open and racial harmony of the French and the fact that it was 1918 and the French had been chewed up and spat out by a swirling vortex of death. That was yeah. the Western front of World War One. Yeah, there were, th- there were three living French males at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, well, we've already, uh, you know, blew up an entire generation. I guess I guess we can look at uh, black people as equals just for this one thing. Just until we run out of black people. Yeah, and you die you better, for us. You better not come around asking for a pension after we use you. Oh no. No, no, no. <laughs> now, uh, a lot of the shock that the that these guys suffered from being treated as somewhat equals by the French was just how intensely racist America was. For yeah. the first time these guys could eat food, drink water, wash and sleep alongside white people in the same trenches. This was literally unheard. Of. This was even unheard of during like the Civil War when uh, you, the people always talk about, uh, you know, black people being paid the same amount and things like, but yeah, but you also had to sleep in a different camp and you had to use a different hole in the ground to shit in. Um, and like I said, these guys also fought like monsters. They took the most casualties of any American unit in the war. They're awarded multiple uh, medals of honor and terrified the Germans to the point they're nicknamed the Black Death, which sounds cool, but so- also sounds vaguely racist. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but at least it was German. So, you know, it's like a some slightly different kind of racism. Yeah. I mean, this is also like 10 years removed from the Germans genociding Africans in uh, their their Southeast Africa. Yeah, colony. they did a, little bit of, did a little bit of that genociding. Yeah, they did. They did with the Herero. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A little, little, little bit of a lot of genocide. A lot of I the mean, same if guys involved. We're grading on a scale. I mean, uh, less genocide than their competitors. Like if you're if you're thinking about it, like a car company, you know, talking about <laughs> how many how many people die in your car versus the other car, it's like, well, you know, less genocide than the British. Yeah, and it's actually telling uh, because a lot of the guys that would um, serve in you know what is modern day Namibia would go on to act as like military advisors to like the Ottoman Empire. And they would write firsthand accounts of the Armenian, Assyrian, uh, Greek, and Yazidi genocides and be like, God damn, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, compared to us, this is awful. Um, now, uh, there's a reason for uh, that uh, so many black soldiers continued to volunteer for service uh, to the United States. And they, while they were drafted, vast majority of them volunteered. Um, this is because at various points of American history, whether it be uh, W.B. Du Bois and a few other people, um, uh, black leaders always encourage black uh, men to volunteer for military service to prove to white people that they are equal in this whole America thing. Um, that never worked. Uh, and that continues largely to this day. Uh, like, you know, you still see that in uh, the military. Uh, you still see that in police departments um, encouraging black people to enlist or try to get jobs with them to defeat racism. And it just doesn't, that's not how that works. Um, now, that didn't happen. And in fact, racial tension, which by racial tension here, I'm going to say a few times, just means black people wanting to be treated equally. That's what racial yeah. tension is. Yeah, it's the tension of wanting to have basic human rights. That makes yes. a lot of people tense. You know? Yeah, you've gone too far, sir. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the, the, this feeling began to grow between World Wars One and Two, And that has to do with, you know, workforce changing demographics in the military, black people wanting more rights. Um, Still not equal rights, just maybe like, hey, can I have my pension, perhaps? Um, Like, 
famously the the bonus army march of World War One veterans uh, in DC was racist as shit. Um, oh yes, <laughs> even yeah, though and like, that's like a lot of the labor movement too was like yes. really fucking racist. Um, you know, there were bright moments in in both where people got got their shit together in that, but it, those were not the norm. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, and of course, that none of this made things better. So let's uh, go ahead and jump to World War Two. Um, now the military was still segregated. And I mean, like the segregation had been codified to the point I have to say words I'm uncomfortable with. Mm. Um, oh, boy. There, <laughs> there's specifically segregated colored units for black people. Now, generally, I would not use this word, but that's literally how they were labeled. So they would say be an engineer company that you and I would be in. That would just be called like the 69th engineer company, for instance. And then there'd be a engineer company called like the 70th engineers for black people. And it would be the 70th engineers in parentheses colored. That's how it'd be legally labeled on all military orders. Um, and while every branch of the military was racist as hell, the Marines and Navy barred enlistment entirely until 1942 and the air force didn't exist yet. So um, there it's still the army air corps. So congratulations, Navy. You're officially the most racist branch of the military. Something that, Probably won't shock anybody who's ever had to work with you. Good for you, Navy. <laughs> now, just because the army allowed black enlistment did not mean that they were equal. It was very segregated. That meant that every basic training, school, military base, everything would be would mirror the treatment that you'd receive in the civilian world. You'd be segregated. There'd be different entrances. There'd be different medical staff, uh, whatever. Um, Jim Crow was the law of the U.S. military. Period. And just because this is World War II, we're talking about, you know, that most of these guys that were in the military in uniform would not stay in the U.S. No other nation involved in the war on our side, anyway, had a form of segregation quite like the U.S. at the time. Um, you know, we were trying to blow up Germany so we can forget them for a second. Even like even what everybody points to is like famously the most well-known bit of segregation because Americans like to forget about their own history. And that is apartheid when legally began until 1948. So we're ahead of the curve on this one. That meant wherever the U.S. went, U.S. soldiers would be forced to possibly maybe treat people of other races like equals because that was not the law there. Oh, yeah, that's not going to go over well. Yeah, it's because Americans aren't going to be like, ah, we've entered a different land. We must adopt to their customs. That's not something we famously do. Uh, and like everything else, the Americans, specifically the American military has ever been involved in, they'd be goddamned if they were going to make this easy for anybody. Mm. Every American military and government uh, building base or otherwise built overseas during the war and every overseas theater would have to follow the laws of the United States. And this included racial segregation. Even if this meant something incredibly stupid, like building two times as many bases, three times as many doors and exits, and hiring a hundred times more fucking people they needed just so they, they would be able to build and staff all of these various different things. Like they would build two bases in one town just because black and white soldiers could not live together rather than just building one. It's just wow. absolutely stupid. Um, great. Great use of defense dollars. So yeah, it's. I'm glad it's a tradition we've managed to continue. We don't need we don't need to spend money on like building two Fort Hoods or whatever for racial segregation when we could just burn it all in a pit labeled F-35. Yeah, see, that's the woke answer to uh, <laughs> uh, racist military shit. 
Yeah, don't worry. The uh, the CEO of the the knife missile company is uh, black. I don't know if that's true or not. Well, he, it might be. Uh, the The secretary of, de- of the of defense was. I think he worked for Raytheon. So there you go. We solved racism, folks. Now, yeah. <laughs> black and uh, black and white soldiers couldn't be housed together, and every effort was done to ensure that they would have completely different bases, like I just talked about. Um, in situations where these uh, guys would actually have to run into each other, like go to the same building or whatever, black soldiers would have a completely different entrance that they would have to use as long as diff- as well as different staff within that building that would work with black and white soldiers. The same rule applied to chow halls and aid stations and medical staff. Like if you were a black soldier and you got hurt in your station, say like the UK, you'd have to go to the black hospital. <laughs> Even even if like that concept simply did not exist in the UK, you yeah. could not go to the British hospital because that's a white hospital. Even though the British didn't uh, didn't do that, like you'd have to get taken to the black military hospital. Uh, leave Jesus Christ! Like this was back in the day like, when soldiers would get like weekend leave and stuff, mm-hmm. and they would space it out so black and white soldiers wouldn't run into each other in the streets. Well, yeah, you know, one. I mean, to be honest, that probably <laughs> made things a lot safer for the black soldiers. Yeah, true, Just true. Not running into drunk white privates in the middle of fucking, I don't know, if, uh, 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 whatever, German town name, insert here. Robert, I got some bad news. This is where I get to say it gets worse. Oh, um, oh no. Because you know how, like, obviously we have racist cops in the United States. What if I told you during a time of war, all of those racist cops just got drafted and became racist MPs? I would say that sounds about right. And and who do you think the police is um the black soldiers? Certainly not black MPs. No. That's the one time that white soldiers were allowed around black soldiers. That's yeah, to be seems cops. Like they're 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 <laughs> able to coexist together. Yes. Uh it's fine. Uh now these rules couldn't be enforced when they left the base, as there was no fundamental way for the US military to force military law onto a local town. Um as no segregation rules existed in the UK at a time. Now, for the the reason why I'm talking about this is this all happens in a town of Bamberbridge, England, uh, a place without any kind of legally mandatory racial segregation. Now, I am not going to dare to fucking say that England is not racist. No, no, <laughs> but it's British racism. So there's the accents funny. Yeah, like that. They're such more. Uh, progressive than us my producer lives in the uk and i'm sure he's gonna insert something here but um yeah you know like there's there's incredible amounts of racism the abuse of colonial soldiers gurkhas and various other branches of the british military notwithstanding still Man, somehow less racist. committed to racism to fuck with gurkhas because those motherfuckers are terrifying <laughs> yeah like famously it was very very recently like within the last 15 years or so uh because like the gurkhas would you know uh famously join like the nepalese the singaporean yeah. or the the british militaries and they could serve the british military and the gurkha contingent for 20 odd years whatever retire they would get some like absolutely nothing for a pension and then immediately get deported back where they came from yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's pretty cool um <laughs> I think it was just very, very recently fixed. Um, where, but now they have to like apply to be able to stay yeah. in the UK. Yeah. And they're so uh, my my very favorite story about the Gurkhas comes from 2010 when this 35 year old Gurkha soldier on the Maria Express, which was like a train line in India, 
um, was uh, the, the train got attacked by a group of 30 to 40 armed robbers. And Jesus. he fought them all off on his own with his with his uh, his 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 knife, his Gurkha knife. The, the what do they call him? The fucking, uh, I think um, it's a Kukri. Yeah, the Kukris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like is some shockingly, this has not had a movie made about it. But yeah, this dude just like went a hog on a platoon's worth of uh, of fucking armed robbers with his service knife in, the, in a train. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> pretty rad story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's an, there's another story of. There's a Gurkha in Afghanistan that was for some reason like standing out by himself and he got like surrounded by Taliban and he beat yeah. like six people to death with like the bipod of a machine gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, again, you got to be really committed to racism if you if you want to fuck with these guys. <laughs> the, the British committed to the bit for decades. Um, yeah, they sure did. And the, obviously, there's the Windrush scandal where they deported literal British citizens back to Jamaica and shit like that. Like, awful I mean, fucking place. If you think any of that's surprising, read about what they did to the entire army they left behind. The Indian army they left behind in Afghanistan. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. No, just just they, the British army. The British Empire has a long and proud history of uh, asking locals to fight for it and then abandoning them to nightmarish fates. Um, oh. Just cash, you know, just like what's that? Is that is that America's interest music? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a real American. <laughs> Hulk Hogan comes out and just like suplexes a Navajo code talker, <laughs> asbestos poisoning or something. Yeah. Hulk Hogan like holds out a high five to like the mountain yards and pulls it away real fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <sighs> now. The, the the small town of Bamber Bridge uh, welcomed the 1511 11th Quartermaster Truck Regiment. Now, this was a black truck regiment. They were truck drivers. They had white uh, officers. Um, now, the town was very open in welcoming these guys, uh, and Bamber Bridge was not alone. By 1944, 10% of the entire U.S. military presence in the U.K. was made up of black servicemen. I should point out for a minute that something about the the white leadership of these units back in the day, say during like the heyday of the Buffalo soldiers and stuff like that. Uh, famously, someone that keeps coming up on this fucking podcast, John Pershing, the middle name that was once literally oh, just the yeah. N word. Um, yeah, yeah, he was an officer in the Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, he was an officer in the Buffalo soldiers uh, back in the day. That was actually considered not a bad uh, command. Billet. Like that wasn't a, a knock against your command ability or anything. Um, it, people didn't want it because of racism, but like it wasn't a punishment. Uh, it had since become that. Um, mm-hmm. Since World War, now in World War II, rather, uh, attitudes began to change regarding the units people were being in charge of and the quality of officers appointed to lead them. And it began to go down considerably. Uh, Numerous black units fought in the Civil War very well, being led by white people, uh, and they were able to win soldiers over and keep discipline and motivation within the ranks without being total racist psychopaths most of the time. Yeah. Well, partly good for them. By World War II, that was gone. Uh, Black units in England were led by what one investigator later called a, quote, dumping ground of shitty, abusive, alcoholic officers that failed or been fired from every position they had previously held. But... You know, it's in the middle of World War II. 
you can't go around kicking out officers left and right. Uh, you'll run into That's a certainly shortage. Certainly not for alcoholism. <laughs> no, I, I, if they start kicking up people, kicking people out of the military for alcoholism, actually, that's a really good way to cut spending in the military. You know, they think of yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, we could, we could, we could trim that budget by half. We just abolished the Marine Corps by proxy, and I'm all for yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the sound of people logging off. Uh, now, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> because of this morale within these units being led by these fucking dicks, it just cratered into the ground. Nobody wanted to work. Everybody hated being there. They worked incredibly long days, just getting screamed at and hit, being treated like absolute dog shit throughout the work week, being led by racist officers. And there were black NCOs, non-commissioned officers, but they held very little power. Um, something that was not the case in white units. Uh, but the the white officers pretty much lorded over these units like their own personal fiefdoms or whatever. But like soldiers throughout history, you know, they got their weekends off. You'd have to get a weekend pass and go out into town. And these guys love to go out and the town drinking and fucking, right? That's what soldiers yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what they've literally done since before there were civilizations. Yeah, it's the it's a tradition that will truly never die. It's one of those, mm-hmm. like, if you go anywhere where soldiers ever been stationed, you will find a doodle of a dick somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I've done it myself. It, you're just called to do it. It, it, yeah. it settles into the it's, back of your brain. connecting you to your ancestors. Yeah. It's embracing tradition. This is especially the case in a foreign setting where black soldiers saw that they were in a completely different reality from the one that they faced back home, a non-segregated society that they've been welcomed as fellow fighters against fascism rather than a barely tolerated draft animal for the war effort like their you know, actual bosses. Yeah, you'd want to hang out in that shit. Now, maybe this is me being a little bit jaded or because this is England we're talking about, uh, but there's a, whenever you research stuff like this, there's always, it always makes it seem like there's this welcoming racial harmony thing. And I do have to point out what was probably the case as black soldiers page paychecks spent the exact same as white soldiers paychecks. And they got paid on the same exact day, every single month. And they knew if you owned a fucking bar and you're near a whole bunch of soldiers, you're going to make a killing. It's, I mean, (laughs) That still counts as woke for the era, just like being like, well, their money's good. I'll take it. You could be a lot of guys who are like, uh, their money's no good here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because you definitely couldn't do that in the US. You couldn't go like, hey, I have my government paycheck or whatever from being like home on leave or whatever. And cops would beat people up and steal it if they were black. So, like, yeah. No, I don't this give a shit that you want to spend money. You're not entering this bar. Was yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. Now, this brings us to the evening of June 24th, 1943. My birthday, actually. Um, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. A couple of weeks, months late. Yeah. Uh, soldiers from the truck regiment had gotten a pass to go out into town, hitting up the, the this is the very British name, mm. Ye Old Hob Inn Bar. Um, oh, come on, guys. I mean, for the love of God, you're a civilization. Like, get your would it shit help together. if I told you I also had a thatched roof? No. <laughs> now, normally this would have been time to party and forget about their shitty officers, but instead their mood was pretty bad. Uh, the reason for this is just a few days earlier, starting on the 20th, race riots had spread through the city of Detroit, Michigan. The Detroit race riots were sparked by decades of racism within my home city. And by 1920, it had become the fourth largest city in the country, built upon the backs of an industrial automotive boom. A lot of people moving in also happened to be black people from the South. 
fleeing oppression, leading to the rebirth of the KKK and an offshoot, the Black Legion, which had previously never existed within uh, the city of Detroit, as well as, you know, countless fucking hate crimes in the city, many in the uh, in cahoots with the Detroit Police Department and the city government. Weird how that keeps happening, Detroit Police Department. Uh, famously have ran three different death squads over their history. They sure have. They <laughs> sure have. You, uh, They really love their death squads. You know, you know what they say about Detroit Police Department. They love their death squads and uh, selling drugs for former Mayor uh, Kwame Kilpatrick. <laughs> yeah. The Detroit Police Department. Less ambitious than the Einsatzgruppe. But, I think you, you can know. fit that on a badge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when <laughs> when World War II started, the automotive industry boomed once again as they began manufacturing things for the war effort. High uh, wages for just about anybody who would show up to work and you, know, you barely had to read or write to get these uh, assembly line jobs. That's how my family ended up working in these places. Uh, you could get employed there without even speaking English. It was great. Uh, with Executive Order 8802, President FDR, on uh, signed by FDR on June 25th, 1941, had prohibited racial discrimination in the national defense industry. The executive order was applied in a slapdash and random manner in a lot of places, and nobody even tried to keep tabs on it. Black people were continued to be excluded from numerous industrial jobs, including uh, like skilled and supervisory positions within the le- within the uh, manufacturing plants, but. The swell of people going into the city create a massive housing shortage in Detroit, something that will never exist again. Um, Enter things like redlining, which excluded black people from various different neighborhoods of the city. This forced black people to pack into dilapidated housing in in a downtown area, which was uh, known as Black Bottom. Thankfully, it's not a nickname we use for that area anymore. Uh, for people who live in Detroit are unaware of this, is located on the on the east side, bounded by Gratiot, Bush Street, into the Detroit River, and the Grand Trunk Railroad tracks. I believe there's a sign there, though someone probably vandalized it again. Yeah, I mean, you can turn Grand Trunk Railroad into Grand Funk Railroad pretty easy. <laughs> oh, I hope somebody does that. I'm yeah, surprised I never saw that growing up. band ever mentioned on this show. Now, in order to relieve some of the pressure, uh, the federal government planned to build the Sojourner Truth Housing Project, um, projects famously known for going great. Now, this is going to build 200 new units for black people working specifically within the defense industry within the city. This was uh, greeted by, as you can imagine, a massive blow up of protests by white people in the same area. Uh, this is around the Packard Motor Car Company uh, plant there, which is always they may have finally bulldozed it, but it's always used as like the, the sh- destruction porn that people like to post from Detroit. Uh, but this that car company in particular dared to put black people on the assembly line alongside white people for the first time, despite the fact they had been working in the factory for years. This led to a wildcat strike of twenty five thousand white people walking off the job. Cool. By June 20th, the city was tearing itself apart. On a warm Sunday evening, teenagers and other kids gathered on Belle Isle, which is an island in the Detroit River, to start fighting one another. And that still kind of happens from time to time. Though this time it was was racial shit. Uh, People formed into small racial gangs and started fist fighting and stabbing and hitting each other with weapons. Great. Now, this area also began to get crowded with people who like to go out that way to get away from the city to enjoy the sun. Uh, It's kind of like a it's more like a park. I don't know exactly what it is anymore. Um, I think there's a golf course on it or something. But you know, it's away from the city. You can go chill out next to the Detroit River before it all just smelled like piss. 
and enjoy the summer. But soon adults enjoying the weekend off join in with these teenagers and kind of like a spontaneous racial fist fight on an island. Great. <laughs> this grew to include the Belle Isle Bridge, which eventually packed around 100,000 people in and around it. Good Lord. This quickly turned into a rolling hate crime as the whites who massively outnumbered the black people went wild. From there, the riot spread into the city. Sailors joined in various hate crimes against black people uh, on the see, fly. Anytime sailors joined in as a part of your story, it's probably both going to be racist and very violent. Yeah, uh, Navy, once again. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. The riot escalated into the city after a false rumor spread that a mob of white people had thrown a black mother and her baby into the Detroit River. A lot of other fucked up shit had happened, but that was a false rumor. Once that rumor began to spread, yeah, at least they didn't do that. Um, Once rumor began to spread, black people rallied around for revenge, thinking that a woman in a trial had been murdered. So they began looting and burning white-owned shops, as well as jumping people as they went. An equally false rumor that black people had raped and murdered a white woman on on the Belle Isle Bridge swept through the white neighborhoods. So an even larger angry mob of white people spilled on the Woodward Avenue near the Roxy Theater around 4 a.m. beating black people as they're getting off streetcars on their way to work. They also went into black neighborhoods of Paradise Valley, one of the oldest and poorest neighborhoods of Detroit. It still kind of is attacking anyone they could get their hands on. Then the police showed up. They intervened and began firing wildly onto black people in every direction. <laughs> of the 34 people who were killed, 24 of them were black and 17 of them had been shot by the police. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. The riots only ended when the federal government invoked the Insurrection Act to deploy soldiers to, to separate the two sides and also call off the cops. Yeah. It seems like the, the problem maybe was mostly the cops. It always is. Yeah. <laughs> It's 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 wild how all of these guys' children end up becoming Portland police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's kind of incredible that a segregated military showed up and be like, "God damn, how racist are you to the cops?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of these events were very fresh in the minds of these soldiers as they were out drinking because many of them were from Detroit. Yep. The riots were not only in the minds of the soldiers, but on the local military police, the 234th Military Police Company, all of whom were white, uh, because many of them had been cops in their civilian lives. And in Detroit, this is being spun as an assault against the cops. Weird. The only thing missing was like a ye olde blue lives flag or something. Oh, wait. No, that was in Germany at the time. My bad. Uh, Now... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the MPs were absolutely hated by the townspeople of Bamber Bridge. Uh, they had a completely separate base on the other side because, remember, they couldn't be housed with the black people. As soon as the MPs got there, uh, they had seemingly adopted a personal mission to make everybody hate them. When they walked into a local pub and insisted that they segregate their establishment, the owner replied that he would. However, when the cops showed up uh, the next day, they were met with a blacks only sign at the three village pubs, sending a clear message that their shit was not welcome there. Oh, that's nice. I, yeah, I think it's I mean, obviously, I, I can't speak for their individual motivations. Um, the MPs are a very small unit. There's only a company of them. So alienating them wouldn't hurt business too bad. Also, yeah. fuck them. I don't know. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes people make moral calls. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I would like to think that's the case. Yeah, that's um, a, this, well, fuck those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 
when white soldiers finally realize that this is just how things were going to be and went into the bars anyway, because they're going to drink and fuck as well. They were furious to find out they had to wait in line and be served equally on a first come first serve basis. Uh, when they complained that they should get their beer before black people, they were told to wait their turn or leave. Uh, so police actions in the town could hardly be considered honest. Uh, and they were just being dicks on a regular and consistent basis leading up to this. Virtually every flare-up of problems in the village were on the basis of race. And by that, I mean white military cops trying to force black people into being second-class citizens thousands of miles away from home. And this included, like, cops would lose their shit and beat up soldiers and try to arrest them when they saw, like, a black guy walking with uh, a local British girl. Um, And, again, this is where I have to say something I really don't like saying. Um, One American officer commented, quote, One thing I noticed here and which I don't like is the fact that the British don't draw any color line. The English Mm. must be pretty ignorant as they as they can't see how a white girl could associate with a Negro. This was the commanding officer. Oh, good. Oh, good. You know, and I love too, that he's like, the issue is that like the, I I love the way that he's framing it. The British just like, can't imagine that the white girl would be interested as opposed to being like supportive of interracial relationships. Like this guy can't even conceive of that. Not that I'm saying the British were, but like this guy clearly like can't even make that leap in his head. And that is like one of the things that, the local townspeople from all of their firsthand accounts of which you can still find some of, of what happens next. Nobody ever pointed out that the, that the trucks regiment was a problem in any way. Uh, nobody ever talks about their complaining about Americans stealing their women, which is super common throughout world war two. They didn't even mention that they're like, cause obviously British people aren't super welcoming to black, to like interracial marriages and stuff. Um, especially in the fucking forties. So, like, it's telling that none, maybe none of those survived on purpose, but that was never brought up. It was only ever brought up by the MPs. Excellent. So, on the night of June 24th, two MPs, Corporal Roy Windsor and PFC Ralph Ridgway, entered Ye Old Hob Inn and attempted to, to arrest Private Eugene Nunn of the Truck Regiment. He was being cited for being improperly dressed, and he did not have a weekend pass. The improperly dressed part was that he was wearing a field jacket rather than his mandated dress uniform whenever you leave the base. And he didn't change because he had just got enough work and he did not have a pass whatsoever. Who cares? Um, of course, the soldiers and MP- MPs began to argue about this and the soldiers were joined in by the pub goers who began to tell the MPs to fuck off. Finally, one of the soldiers, who was very drunk, threatened one of the MPs with a bottle, leading to a cop drawing his gun. Sergeant William Byrd, a black NCO at the truck regiment, managed to talk the MPs into leaving. And as they did so, the same drunk soldier ran out after them and hooked a beer bottle at their Jeep and then missed. Um, I mean, whom's amongst us? Am I right? Yeah. Uh, the MPs got into their Jeep and drove back to their base for reinforcements because there's only you know two of them and 30 or odd soldiers or whatever. After this, the soldiers remained at the bar until closing time, finishing their beer and walking back to their base. As they did, the MPs returned. A fight broke out, and the soldiers decided to run back towards the bar. When an MP drew out his gun and shot Private Adams, the same soldier had thrown the beer bottle in the throat. Another soldier, William Crossland, was shot in the back and killed. Jesus. Yeah. At this point, black soldiers of the truck regiment had enough of this bullshit. Um, They just shot two unarmed people, one of them in the fucking back, and killed them. Mm -hmm. And they went back to their base, and at this point, word had already began to spread throughout the truck regiment that the MPs had shot a black soldier. If that wasn't enough, the MPs, now three jeeps deep and armed with machine guns, appeared at the black soldier's base around midnight. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, if this is 2021, they would just have an MRAP. Yep. 
With this fresh knowledge, they'd already shot one black man. The MPs were now yelling racial slurs and threats. The soldiers figured these assholes must mean to shoot them all just like they had done in Detroit. <sighs> and they also realized, we have guns too. Why there don't we, we use go. them? That's what I wanted to see. The lone black officer in the entire base, Lieutenant Edwin Jones, attempted to calm the situation down, telling his soldiers that the MPs would be brought to justice. Everybody just need to go back to their barracks. But absolutely nobody was buying this shit anymore. Arms rooms were opened. Rifles, machine guns, and hand grenades were handed out to now very pissed off and slightly uh, drunk soldiers of the truck regiment, which eventually numbered in the hundreds as the entire barracks emptied out. The soldiers marched back into town, going door to door, warning people to stay inside while they handled some shit. And they did. People were like, no, thank you uh, for telling us not to go outside. (laughs) They broke into the MPs base, firing through the windows and doors, demanding the MPs come out and face them. But they wouldn't because they're fucking gutless cowards. (laughs) They remained locked inside, too terrified to come out, thinking that they could delay uh, the the finding out part of fucking around indefinitely. Mm hmm. Eventually, the soldiers realized that the cops were not going to come out, and they decided to walk back to their base. When, according to village police, who weirdly enough did not intervene, but I mean, they're British, they're probably unarmed. I would not have intervened either. If you have machine guns and rifles and uh, your guys have a a couple of sticks, yeah, that's that's not really your fight, to be fair. (laughs) It's just a British cop, like, you have a license for that machine gun? No? All right, have a good day! Well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Now, when the the soldiers were walking back, according to a local policeman, they ran into an MP roadblock, which began firing on them with a bolt with a belt fed machine gun mounted to the back of a jeep. Jesus Christ! Yeah, uh, local police uh, purposely used the term ambush uh, for a reason. Like they they sent jeeps around the back of the base to circle around and, and surround these guys. And that's when the black soldiers started firing back and the small English town got turned into a war zone for hours as MPs and soldiers fought a running gun battle up and down the village streets. British civilians watched as their quiet town erupted in violence and gunfire, forcing many to hide inside and away from the chaos. Cool. (laughs) By the time the shooting had stopped around 4 a.m., three black soldiers and one MP had been shot with two more MPs being beaten unconscious with the butt stock of a, of a rifle and left unarmed in a ditch. Jesus. Yeah, I'm sure a number of these Brits were just like hit by the realization of like, oh, the Americans almost wound up on the other side. Like, it was, <laughs> this was a razor thing. Like, they, they, were, they were an inch away from not being not, not wanting to fight the Germans. Okay. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> yeah. Now, unfortunately, every good bit of justice ends with a court-martial. Um. And there were a lot of them, but not as many as you would think. It does. I mean, I'm sure the court martials weren't where they needed to be, but this does seem like a thing where a lot of people needed to get court martialed. (laughs) Hey, my boys didn't do nothing wrong. Um, Now, 35 black soldiers were brought up on charges of mutiny and other various uh, crimes. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is a time of war and all of these charges could have ended with them getting the death penalty. Um, Yep. Which they handed out quite frequently um, during World War II. Not as frequently as people think, um, but mostly for, you know, the death penalty, mostly people got it for, like, rape and murder. Yeah. Uh, very, very few other uh, death penalty. They, they only uh, sentenced one soldier for, um, for uh, I think it was refusal to go into battle or something yeah. like that. Uh, as a Joseph Slovak. But... Um, 
Yeah, 35 got charged, even though hundreds took part. Um, now, eventually, 32 soldiers were convicted and sentenced to terms spanning from a few months to 15 years uh, in military prison. But this is where I actually have to po- stop and point out that uh, actual justice happened, and it was because of one guy. Okay. Um, General Ira Aker, who was the commander of the U.S. Army Air Force, uh, the, the 8th U.S. Army Air Force in the area. Now... This is because the president of the court-martial made an immediate plea for clemency. And during a court-martial, if that occurs, it goes up to a general for um, review. Now, normally, the general isn't a lawyer. He hands it over to a lawyer that he has on hands. Um, And that actually didn't happen this time because most of the lawyers are pretty fucking terrible. Uh, For instance, it was the lawyer specifically that was arguing that Slovak should be the one guy executed for cowardice in all of World War II in the U.S. military. Uh, Okay. General Aker looked it over it himself and saw that there was an appalling lack of discipline at the camp and poor leadership with officers failing to perform pretty much any of their duties properly. So he investigated personally and uh, he gave them all clemency. He commuted, sen- he commuted sentences and reduced others. Uh, in uh, like For instance, the most anybody spent time in prison was a year. And that was not for mutiny, not for firing at cops. It was solely because they didn't return the weapon that they had taken from the arms room. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, fair enough. A whole bunch of grenades went missing. So yeah, probably is, co- is, cop up on those. That is, that is a little bit of a, that, that is a potential issue. Yeah. Yeah. That, that actually happened in my unit <laughs> during my, when I was coming home, uh, someone, you have to go through customs. It's normally like coast guard customs for some reason. Uh, and they found someone had hidden a hand grenade in their backpack, and they're oh, cool. they were about to get a commercial flight. Ah, <laughs> uh, that. What was the what was the game plan there? I I would like what to think that he was just there? stupid. I would really like to think that he wasn't going to blow up the airplane, but he was not punished for uh, for anything. He didn't even get demoted. Yeah, you really don't want that news story getting out anywhere. No, no. Um, now all of the violence was blamed by General Aker on the MPs for being savagely racist, violent, and, you know, being just a group of incompetent, shitty racists who couldn't do their jobs and led by people who had the same beliefs. He blamed everything on the MPs. Uh, He also went one further. He purged the trucking regiment of all of its officers uh, above the rank of major and uh, sent them back to the U.S. to actually, like, pretty much tank their career, um, which is impressive. He also forced racial integration on the MPs, so uh, black MPs could then police the black soldiers rather than the other way around. Uh, there was still like segregation to an extent, but at least the white racists wouldn't be destroying their lives as they tried yeah. to like go have a beer. Okay. Um, now this did help this particular unit, but it did not help the situation in the U.S. military in the U.K. Uh, racial violence was shockingly common throughout the war, with American soldiers in England specifically in several occasions, other than this one. Uh, where cops and soldiers would shoot at each other openly in the streets. Great. In one case, they killed a British civilian. Um, oh, now, Jesus. Yeah, the, mo- the most famous of these is probably the Park Street Riot, which happened the very next year after this one, and, and <clears throat> ended with uh, a soldier being shot to death and an MP being stabbed. Um, Jesus. But, yeah, thankfully, we, we, we solved racism. Uh, when we it does seem like we've br- got a good handle on that. Yeah, especially when we integrated during the Korean War. Uh, the end, racial harmony exists. Yeah, no, that was the end of problems for the United States. Uh, and now, um, I, I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm going to watch our president 
a beam of pure light uh, announce that the space program has, I don't know. I don't know. There's, I, I can't even joke about positive things because it's 2021. I mean, every time we say it could get worse, it couldn't possibly get worse. A monkey paw curls inward. So yeah, yeah a monkey no. paw curls inward and there's the Delta variant or Joe <laughs> Manchin crawls out from a storm drain. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's where he was born. He congealed yeah. there. Yeah, um, right next to Kristen Cinema. Robert, we do a thing on the show, and I think someone uh, would be very happy if you took part in it, called Questions from the Legion, where if someone donates to the show uh, and our Patreon, they can ask us a, a, a fleeting question that means largely nothing, uh, and we answer on air. Um, and this one is, of all of the, uh, the celebrities that have come out to do awful things um, in their past, or you know, maybe they, they're dead already and we found out about them or they're in prison, which one actually impacted you? Like, Which one actually shocked you? shocked me god did any of them shock me because like i'm bummed about you know some of the stuff we've learned about bowie and prince and yeah jackson but i I, norm mcdonald i'm really bummed about norm mcdonald i never i've enjoyed his comedy over these i never expected him to be a pleasant person i guess because of like the nature of his comedy you know true um obviously it's a bummer i'm disappointed but like I, I'm not like, oh my God, Norm McDonald was creepy. Like I'm like, oh yeah, that's that I mean, yeah, that does kinda <laughs> that does kinda follow. Yeah, that um, one didn't shock me. I'll give you yeah, that much. That, that, it didn't super surprise me. Shit. I know there's there's been some creepy Woody Allen, he just seemed like such an like, such a, a adopting that young girl. I mean, what a what a nice man. I never would have thought. Uh that was a joke, obviously. Woody Allen's a <laughs> Of course, the person that I'm thinking of immediately is a fucking terrible monster. Um, so I, I'm showing my age a little bit here, but I used to, I, I still watch professional wrestling. I used to as well. Um, but I, one of my favorite wrestlers ever was Chris Benoit. Oh yeah, no, that did <laughs> that story. I mean, I don't know how much I can blame like the person he was originally for that though. Right, that does right. seem like that's a lot on the head injuries, you know. Yes, yeah, he 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 was in a, he was not in a great place. But I remember like I I bought I think two ever wrestlers merch in my life. One was like the Hardy Boys when I was a very when like my mom bought it for me for my birthday when I was like thirteen or whatever. And one was like a Chris Benoit shirt. And then, like, I actively still had that Chris Bedwasher when we found out that he had oh, murdered see, his family. That would be kind of rad to wear now, though. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I don't have it anymore. Uh, honestly, I'm fine with that. Uh, but like. That's the one I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, There's that no is, way. That's that the only one, one that shocked me. Shit. Let me. Th- I mean, I know there have been some. I just don't. They're not uh, super present. Well, you know, a musician I fucking worked with, like like hired him for song uh, for to do some songs for shows. And I fucking loved his. I mean, I still love his music, but turned out to be a fucking rapist, uh, astronautalist, which was uh, horrifying um and a, a gigantic oh part. holy shit what yeah, really yeah yeah it came out in 2020 actually during like the height of, yeah, yeah and he copped to it um to the extent that that matters but yeah like it's it's fucked up and uh that was a that was a huge bummer um that fucking blows i really like them yeah I, I i i loved his music and obviously i was like look really looking forward to i mean obviously not to like center <laughs> like my disappointment in this but yeah, <laughs> right, like you asked not, the question yeah. like who was i most like shocked by like because i'd met him too like i'd hung out and gone drinking with andy um and it really that bummed me the fuck out um 
when when it all came out because like it 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 can it, it didn't seem like it was necessarily going to be as bad at first and then you know as always often happens stuff kept coming out you know right yeah hey, it could be worse you could be a lost profits fan oh i'm not familiar with with what happened there oh god i'm going to i'm not even going to mention on air it's okay. some of the most disgusting things on earth um Rad. he didn't uh, he was just like a serial child abuser um oh jesus and, christ okay yeah, yeah well yeah and and he ended up like i think facilitating it through like online like through fans and stuff like that it was oh, awful sweet now on a on a bright side this is this is where you can plug your show in case one or two people listening has not heard of behind the bastards or honestly I've lost track of everything else you're doing right now so yeah, just so use this to plug everything yeah I, I absolutely have lost track too um I have a podcast all right yeah, all right all right good we're good to go um <laughs> Robert thank you so much I'm glad we could finally make this work yeah and uh, you know until next time uh, I don't know. Don't do race riots. Yeah, avoid race riots. Some riots I'm broadly supportive of, but not 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 with the race. Not the race kind. Don't do a race riot, you know? Avoid avoid that.